I am unashamed. What about you? Well, Missy was right because someone pointed out that in the last podcast without Al, there was not one time where either one of you laughed out loud. <laughs> I'm laughing now. <laughs> That's what I mean. I figured that would fix that. So did you give up or no, what? So what I told her was, I said, you got to realize trying to be funny with Zach and Phil or any member of my family besides Al, I said, it's like trying to explain a rainbow to someone who's colorblind. See, now I thought that was funny, and neither one of you <laughs> laughed. I'm laughing. I am. Well, you, you laughed after I was, I, I mean, I, I thought, what joke will I use? What illustration that will cause laughter? Because the guy behind the booth over there, he's trying to stay quiet. He he was laughing, yeah. you know. He was, but y'all, no, nothing. Well, Phil's a lot tougher than I am. I've kind of made it my goal not not to laugh much at my own jokes or anybody else's. What <laughs> 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 a goal is this? <laughs> but like today, when Sai, we were hunting, and Sai said he shot a duck that I did not physically see with my eyes fall to the water. And so the dog goes out there. Granted, the dog was not one of the greater retrievers I've seen, but there was a man behind the dog, the dog trainer. And they go over to the area by which Sai had claimed the duck fell. And he had a couple people said, Jay said, no, no, he shot one. So uh, they, they don't find the duck. I was like, do you see any feathers? He said, no. And Sai said, hey, I shot a duck and it fell right there. And so now no one's laughing. You said, what's he got to do with funny? Because then when I said, well, side, the duck is not there. And he said, well, here's what happened. One of those river otters probably came up and got him. Stole his duck. Yeah, in 20 seconds. And I laughed. And Jay laughed. But I noticed the other end of the blind, no one laughed. I thought that was funny. That is funny. <laughs> okay. Well, I tried. Well, we did, but we did have a good discussion. You'll agree to that, right? Oh no, I thought it was it was good. I mean, this is this is difficult. What we're doing in Matthew twenty twenty one and twenty two. These are just difficult parables. And I tell you, I I I don't believe I've ever heard any sermons on these passages. In my life. Not much. When Not I, much. Yeah, I was like, how have I missed these chapters? I'm, I look at it more a, a big picture. They were indignant in chapter 20, verse 24, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, uh, whom God had said, Jesus, God in flesh, said, they're going to kill me, turn me over to the Gentiles, flog me, persecute me, and... Uh, and kill me, but in three days I'll rise from the dead. So with that in mind, he's told the disciples that over and over, but when he does something, the ten heard this. They were indignant when he talked about who's going to be at my right or left. Then the Pharisees, again, uh, says they were indignant when uh, Jesus said the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and teachers of the laws saw the wonderful things that, and the, that he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. So that indignant type, hard heart, keeps coming forth. By the time you get to chapter 22, which, we've, which we just covered, the chief priests and teachers of Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, this is 2145, they, what he was talking about, they looked for a way to arrest him. So they have, a, they have this indignant, let's kill him, let's arrest him, let's shut him up. So you get to 22, it, in verse 15, the Pharisees went out after they heard about the wedding banquet speech, 
and said, he ended it up by saying, many are invited, but few are chosen. The Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. So they play the political card about uh, not paying your taxes because according to you, you're, 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 you're greater than Caesar. So who do you pay taxes to? The, so they asked the, the trap question was, tell us then, what's your opinion? Because what they said is, we know you're a man of integrity. Now, now think about it. Now they're going to try to smooth him. We know you're a man of integrity, that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Well, you they want, tell you when you want to fire somebody or get rid of <laughs> you start off with a compliment. That's right. You say, you're a really great person. You, know, you aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. But we're going to have to let you go. Yeah. So tell us then, uh, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So they say, if we can get him on this one, we'll play this political card well, like he's trying to overthrow the government and he's rebelling by not paying taxes. You know why it was unanswerable? Because if he says yes, well, then all his followers, nobody likes to pay taxes. That's right. So then they're like, huh, doggone rascal. I thought he was a son of God, and now we got to pay taxes. But if he says no, well, then they call the Roman officers and they arrest him. That's right. So it's really... I think they did it in response to his question about John's baptism. Did it come from heaven or earth? So they said, well, we got one. Do we so, pay tax? Who do we pay taxes yeah, to? So the indignant ones, all of a sudden, shocker of shocks, he said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God what's God. When they heard this, now, now we have a change of heart here. It's a slight one, but it is a change of heart. They were amazed. So now they're like, we're not going to be able to get him. We're, but you know what his point We're trying to trap yeah. him in his own words, but we can't lay a glove on because him. Because he went back to that same concept. You give to man what is man's. Caesar made that, so it must be his. And you give to God what is God, because he's representing both sides. Do you agree? Same thing. His authority is... He's the son of God, and he's the son of man. So and it was a just, good answer. And I would just add this. So they're amazed at that on what, how he pulled it when they tried to get him with the political card. Then he talks about marriage at the resurrection, and they're like blown away, and I am too, by the way, before we get to that, about marriage in heaven. When the crowds heard this after his speech about, uh, they were arguing about, well, you know, this guy's, gets his wife, and then two second wife, number two, and he marries up to seven times. Who's he going to be married to in heaven? Which is pretty slick on their part. But hang on. But on this part, you realize Caesar's dead at this point. So if you think about what he was saying, I mean, give this money to a dead guy <laughs> in his honor. But you give to God what has he got, because I think that introduced this, because at the end of that story, he's like, to God, all are alive. I mean, he was setting a little undertone oh, there. Oh, that's right. The that resurrection. This guy, I mean, you know, when you think about currency, the people's faces that are on currency, they're dead. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty well sending you a message right there that this money is not going to lead anywhere significant. That's right. You're like, oh yeah, but I'd like to try. Yep. Yeah. I like is it, you know, you always say, is it better with money or without? You're always gonna say with. Yep. Because the menu goes up, all that. But it, in the end, it, it you can't buy eternal life. You can't buy forgiveness, right. you can't buy relationships. And after his speech about the resurrection and uh and the marriage in heaven, when the crowds heard this, now they were astonished at his teaching. So they went from indignant to uh, amazement, and then they tried to get him again, and they were astonished because they're saying, this guy, we cannot rope-a-dope him with words. We, we can't get around him. <laughs> He's the creator of the universe. <laughs> He's smarter than you. He knows. I say that all the time. He knows what happened he knows what's gonna happen and he knows what would happen if something that didn't happen happened yeah he knows 
you better than you know yourself. Zach, do you want to open? By the mind? way, by the way, the final final little take on the end of chapter twenty two, after the Caesar thing, then the marriage at the resurrection, then he talked about the greatest commandment. It all ended up, Jason. Look, look. Here, here's what it says in verse forty six, chapter twenty two. No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. <laughs> I mean, I just found it pretty laughable when human beings are going to try to rope a dope yeah. God on in, in flesh on planet Earth. I mean, he put the quietus on this bunch. Point taken. You found something that was something to laugh about. Yeah, I would, all I would add to that is, is that all of these conflicts that Jesus is having with these people, you know, they, throw, they throw out whatever the thing is. And it's, he, Jesus is so dismissal, he's dismissive of them. He's just, he dismisses it almost completely. Like, whose face is on the coin? Yeah, give to Caesar what Caesar's. But then he comes back and says, but give the gods what is God's, which is everything, which is interesting how Jesus's focus was not necessarily on tearing down earthly power structures. His focus was on establishing what was already the, the real power structure, which was the authority of, of God himself. And he's saying these words. Yeah, he's saying these words, Zach, and he's not hollering. He, he's not he's not browbeating them. He's just giving them the information of the, the questions they ask and the futility of their thinking, basically. He's just opening it up, opening it up. And finally, they're just looking around at each other saying, I mean, let, let's, we, we're not going to be able to trap him with words. I mean, we, they had yeah. no more words to say. Yeah, and well, think about, uh, to your point, Phil, if, and compare that with today's culture, even in the church, so many of us want to go out there and we want to take it to the world and we live in such an outraged culture. Jesus is doing what Jesus does. And guess what happens? People show up and they ask him questions. He's not out there That's right. protesting, rioting. That's he's, right. just, he's being Jesus. He's, and, and just being like Jesus in and of itself is so disruptive that these people are coming to him and say, hey, what's going on? And they're trying to trap him. He's not He's not doing anything other than what he does. He's just being Jesus. Yeah. So I think there's something in that for us, too. You know, we get so obsessed with earthly kingdoms and what's going on politically, which, I mean, I'm not saying we don't get involved politically. That's not my point. But I do think that we have taken that to an extreme, particularly in the church, on our side. And, and we've made the kingdom of God synonymous with a political so party. And this was a, this was a political party here that J Jesus is going in direct conflict with and saying, no, nah, that's not where it's at. Yeah. I mean, Romans 13 is in the book, you know, you pay your taxes and I mean, I hate paying taxes, but that wasn't his point here. I mean, they tried to trap him because it's all about who do you think Jesus is? And if you believe he's the son of God, we will yawn when we pay our taxes and I go vote because people died to give us that freedom and right. But I'm going to try to, you know, pick a guy who all people are a woman, all people are flawed. So don't be shocked when they let you down and we didn't fix everything. Yeah. But Jesus is not flawed. So that trumps any person that I'm going to vote. I love those signs in people's yard that says, you know, vote for Jesus. They do it every year. You know, I'm voting Jesus. Yeah. I mean, because really, that that's that's the point. It's a matter of priorities. I mean, I'm all for God, country, and humans, but Jesus has to be elevated. It reminds me of when in Acts five. Remember when they said, "You know, y'all quit speaking, or we're gonna." Yeah. Now he's like, "Well, you can judge for yourself." I think it's five nineteen or twenty. What's right, but we can't help but speak about what we've seen and heard. I mean, you say, yeah. what, what do you mean by that? You you can do whatever you want to, to us, but we're, we are not shutting our mouths about Jesus. That's right. It's not going to happen. Nope. Well, there, there's a, and there's a, there's a, a peak moment here in Matthew 22 after Jesus essentially shuts down the Herodians then the conflict comes with the Sadducees, which he shuts them down. And then the Pharisees, I love this in, in verse 34, 
they heard about what Jesus did with the Sadducees. They're like, wait, he shut down the Sadducees? And they were impressed by that, and they wanted to get their shot at Jesus. So they gathered themselves together, and then one of them, a lawyer, of course he had to be a lawyer, asked a question. And the reason why I asked it was he was testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now that to me is like this moment where they think they finally got him and they're going to get him. And Jesus's response, honestly, is is the greatest response maybe of all the responses that he ever said in Scripture, which he said this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. Then the second's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the entire law and the prophets. And the reason why that's so powerful is, number one, it's powerful because um, he's, he was able to sum up their, their answer. But two, this is a direct indictment against the way that these guys had pursued the law. They didn't love God, and they didn't love their neighbor. They loved the commandments. And Jesus is blowing that apart here. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because well, how many laws were there? 600 and... So I'm sure there was a trap in there somewhere. But basically when he said he came to fulfill the law, which he did it through love, which goes back to that God is love. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbors yourself, you would probably pretty much cover the rest of the laws in some capacity. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's why it was an awesome answer. Yeah, I want to back up and hit the... Marriage of the Resurrection, because I think this is one of the most talked about and inquired about parables, I guess, in the New Testament. So you had the Sadducees who say there's no resurrection. Hey, let's hold on one second. Let's let's uh, let's break real quick, Jace. Yeah, Phil, how are your joints holding up during duck season? I have no aches and pains. No aches and pains, 70, what, 74, 75? 75. And the only thing that Phil takes is Omega XL. You've got 360 joints from your neck down to your back and your arms, your hips and knees and feet. That's 360 joints to take a beating every single day that you work out there. And uh, that's why we're constantly in pain and we can't sleep sometimes. What we do is we take Omega XL because of the science. When we were young, our bodies produce a substance called SPM. And what that does is that reduces your inflammation. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's nature's way of keeping your joints healthy. But as we age, we don't produce enough SPMs anymore, which is why we're in so much pain when we get older. Well, Omega XL can help restore that. Omega XL can restore your SPMs and rejuvenate joints and muscles so that you can move like you did when you were young. Order Omega XL and get a second bottle for free with our code by visiting OmegaXL.com slash fill. That's OmegaXL.com slash fill. Or you can call 1-800-844-4888. That's 1-800-844-4888. Faith in God. Faith in Omega XL and this, the pharmaceutical of all pharmaceuticals, one baby aspirin a day. You got the Sadducees who say there's no resurrection, and they come with a question. They say, Moses told us that if a man dies that are having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. It's an interesting law. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one died. They go through a process. It's getting complicated because this woman has been married seven times. So at the resurrection, which they don't even believe in, <laughs> which is comical, whose wife will she be since all of them were married to her? I mean, can't you see them when they were probably having the meeting about what question they were going to ask? Cause they don't believe in the resurrection because I would just stop and say, well, what's your plan? Because <laughs> whatever my answer is, the fact that we're having this discussion is better than your plan. Because if there's no resurrection, what's your, what you got? But different point. While, you, while, while you're there, then you can continue on. Uh, later, not too long after these events in Jesus talking to these Pharisees and Sadducees. 
If it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? There's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we're found to be false witnesses about God. We've identified, we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. If the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, yep. we're to be pitied more than all men. He's indeed been raised from the dead. That's a good introduction to what Jesus' reply was, which he says, okay, you got, she'd been married seven times at the resurrection. Who's going to be her husband? And it's no different from people saying, you know, what age will I be at the resurrection? Because 1 Corinthians 15 goes on to say, you get a new body. And it and First John three says it'll be like Jesus's body. You can get some clues on what his body was like because he ate some fish. You just look at everything he did post resurrection. He levitated. He ate some fish. He didn't eat the fish because he had to to De sustain he life. Defied gravity. He defied gravity. He went through closed buildings. Remember they had the doors locked and oh, he appeared. Yeah. So. What else did he do? Uh, Bars, he, concrete, chains wouldn't hold him. No, he let Mary hug him. So, so there was a lot of things that he did that he did before the resurrection. He hugged, he ate fish, he talked, but he also changed his appearance. Remember when the guys were walking to the road to Emmaus and they didn't recognize him? It yep. says they were kept from recognizing Now It could have been that they were kept from recognizing him, or it could have been that he... He was the ultimate transformer, and which I think if you can come back from the dead, you can make yourself look like whatever you want to, which yeah. would be fun to try. So he then says, you are in error because you don't know the scriptures. So somewhere in here, he basically gave us an idea that there's an answer to this question in the scriptures and in the power of God. The power of God, I have trouble wrapping my head around. So a lot of these things that I think I'm thinking in my feeble mind, I, I'm one of those guys who thinks if I could figure all this out on how old I'm going to be and how I'm going to look and what we're going to do post-resurrection, then it probably wouldn't be that great. <laughs> well, if you can get God in your little brain and his power and grasp that and uh, be able to know the answer to these questions, he would be too small. I mean, he's doing things that we're taking for granted, as in making man from dust, a woman from a rib, life with all the the protection from meteorites and the right distance from the sun and the moons and the galaxy, thousands of galaxies and just the amount of space itself. And so when you see all this, you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to grasp that. So he rebukes them, but it's fun trying studying the scriptures and at least imagining this kind of power that he has at the resurrection. People will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now let's stop right there. What does that mean? There'll be more than what you are now. There'll be some difference in the way you function as a being. That's right. There's no doubt about that. I don't think this negates the fact that if you're married here, that somehow you won't know your wife. You know, there's also a verse, Matthew 19, that we read that said, what God joined together, the two will become one, let man not separate. So, you know, I believe my wife will be my wife in heaven. I just don't think there'll be any need to dabble in the physical 
world as we are on earth. It, the relationship has moved way past yeah. whatever we had physically on earth. It, it, in, in far as procreating and, I mean, I think that becomes kind of comical. It does. Because they're looking at, they're trying to put earth circumstances now in an imperishable body that they don't believe in, post-resurrection that they don't believe in, and and how we're, she is going to function throughout eternity, which they don't believe in. So that's why this is, I think he spoke in generalities, but it gives us some clues that, Everything he's describing, I think, is good. Oh, yeah. There's some power that's going to happen, and we're going to be, in some form, a greater version than we are now. Yep. Zach? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think that well, what I think that verse in Galatians. Not, do you not agree with? Well, I don't think you will be married in heaven, but um, I didn't mean so I that, disagree on he, that he said you didn't. You're not given in marriage, nor marry. I was just saying, it's not like I'm not going to know that that's that was my wife on earth. Oh yeah, I, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't so, yeah, say I think you're you'll getting married, get, yeah. but people have said. I just assumed that you knew what I was talking about. That oh, you won't even know your wife. You know that she was your wife, but. He didn't say that. He just, it's not like on earth we procreate and we live and we use our physical laws and physical coming together in a, in a marriage way. This, this is way yeah. beyond that. You're not going to get to the, to heaven. And he's going to say, no, wait a minute. You were married three times. So we can't, this just won't work. You should have, made some arrangements because we don't have a place for you now. And he, it, it, and he gave not, us a group we'll be like, but they're way, way, way beyond what we are because they're, they're heavenly beings, yeah. angels. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Well, it's about that time of year to start thinking about the holidays, and the first item on your list needs to be iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm in the comfort and safety and privacy of your own home. In other words, without anybody looking over your shoulder. With the cost of ammo going through the roof, this gives law-abiding gun owners a better way to train regularly. No more inconvenient trips to the range or expensive practice ammunition. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet on your firearm, and start your training experience. Dry fire training will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen your target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including 223. You can stay sharp with almost any firearm. So go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10%. Plus, you get free shipping with the offer code FILL. This is the smartest way for you to practice, and it pays for itself in one day. That's the letter I, TargetPro.com. iTargetPro.com. Offer code FILL. Yeah, I mean, I think that the got to keep in mind the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection or um, angels for that matter. So this is kind of tongue in cheek on Jesus's part. He's kind of kind of ribbing a little bit, which is what he's doing with everybody. He's finding the thing that they're that like the one thing that's going to really blow them away, and that's what he's kind of going after. He's so clever um, in how he responds to him. So, I, yeah, but I would I would agree with that. I mean, I think they're. I think in his response, he's like, you're thinking too small. You know, you, you just, you're thinking too small, which has kind of been the, all of this whole narrative unfolding. If, I, if you had to sum it all up, what is Jesus trying to tell the, 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 the Jewish people, the Israelites? I think he's saying, you're thinking too small. When it, come, when it comes to Abraham's offspring and you think it's the physical descendants, you're thinking too small. When it comes to the re, this, uh, am I going to be married in heaven? You're thinking too small. When, you're, I mean, every th when you think about the kingdom, what is the kingdom of God? You're thinking too small. Jesus is saying, I got something way bigger than you can ever comprehend or imagine. If you would just lean into this revelation that's happening before your very eyes, you get to participate in it. But you can't because you're focused on the things of God rather than the God of the things. 
which is paving the way up to that point that he makes at the greatest command. You missed it. You focused on the things of God rather than the God of the things. And you, and good point. And you got to realize we're only four chapters removed from him having a conversation with Moses who had been dead for years and Elijah who was just taken up to heaven and they're having a conversation on the mountain. There's obviously some things that are going to happen that are hard to wrap your head around. But he went on to say about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am. And you remember that great response when he said before in John, where he said before Abraham was, I am. Because they had put their faith and trust in Abraham. Well, how could you make that statement? And so he then says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And there's another place that some a version of this says, into God all are alive. So he's not going to make any mistakes. Nobody's going to be in hell that didn't decide to go there by their choices. There'll be no mistakes. The people who are resurrected to be with God forever. I don't think we'll have one thing to complain about. No tears, no death, no, no. Well, just whatever you can come up with that there's, you won. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that when we, when we get to heaven, um, well, one, one thing I'd say is we will have a bodily resurrection and so we will be in a body like Jesus was in the body. And when Jesus was in his body, post-death, post-resurrection, um, there was a moment where they didn't recognize him several times. Like, wait, and, but once he revealed it, they saw him. So I don't know, maybe, they'll, maybe the glorified body, maybe they'll have to be like a reintroduction. Hey, remember me? No, oh, yeah, that man, you look a lot better. It may be one of those kind of deals. But I do think that um, well, I would when, think your brain. At, I would think your brain, your imperishable brain, would be more savvy to know. I mean, it's like me; I can't remember anything at this day. I mean, then and each day that goes by, I remember less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying your new body. I think you're going to recognize people. I think there will be an awareness. When he said it'll yeah. be like well, the angels, so. there's a they have a different awareness. I mean, I don't think at one time in the Bible an angel stopped and said, Hang on, let me check on that. They yeah. they just did and they knew and I mean I'm thinking everything is gonna improve. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if angels possess physical body I mean, they may acquire a body for a period of time, but what makes us what makes humans distinct is that we are we are bodies with spirits. We and are, so, but know, he when, did when, go through a wall. So the body that you will get, I mean, I'm saying I think you're putting too much on the laws of the earth. And I think once you get your new body, which is a body, I'm not disagreeing with that, but it's not bound by earthly laws anymore. There's, there's things you can do. The bells and whistles to this body really exceed our imagination. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think my, the reason why I, 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 I emphasize it, though, is because of the verse that Phil read and Paul's argument that there ha we, have to, we can't diminish the physical world and the body because that's, that's Gnosticism, and, and that, that was very detrimental to people who— bought into that to say that everything physical is bad, everything spiritual is good. That's not really what the Bible teaches. And I think that's Paul's point that Jesus had a bodily resurrection. And if he did not have a bodily resurrection, we are to be pitied more than all men. I actually grew up thinking that the resurrection, that heaven, we were going to be spirits just kind of floating around in some kind of some kind of ethos or something. Well, it's just going to be floating around. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, that's... Well, we get that because when you go to a funeral and somebody says, well, I'm sure he's watching us right now, which he may be in some kind of spiritual presence, but I'm like, well, it doesn't look like he's watching anything. <laughs> you know, you're looking because you go by the casket. And so, yeah. but, but people tend to believe that, which I think makes you think 
oh, this is all a spiritual thing. But 1 Corinthians 15, I feel like we should read that because Phil started in there. But when he says in verse 42, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. But he's still talking about the body. The body that is sown is perishable. It, what's it? The body is raised imperishable. Now, if you keep playing that game, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. The body is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. But then the confusing one is in the next verse, 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. But I don't think we have the words in our vocabulary to describe what it is as an imperishable body. We're just trying to get close to whatever that is. Let's take a quick break. This next sponsor I really believe in for two reasons. One, because they saved me a lot of money by actually upping my credit score. And two, I was able to find out that someone stole my identity with scoremaster.com. You may not know this, but even an okay credit score can cost you probably over a hundred grand over the life of a 30 year loan. That's why you should use Scoremaster before you apply for any loan. Scoremaster can take your credit score from okay to great and they can do it fast. The average user adds 61 points in 20 days or less. And with the recent COVID surge and and, uh, interest rates being so low for now, adding 61 points to your score can save you thousands of dollars on your home loan. But those rates are going to go up soon. So before you apply for any loan, this is what you got to do. You got to visit scoremaster.com and add points to your credit score and do it fast. Then you can maintain and protect your credit score with 24-7 credit monitoring, which is what I did when I was able to uncover that someone stole my identity. And you get $1 million in fraud insurance. It only takes a few minutes to enroll. You can see your points. You can get more points. And you can qualify for the lowest rates. Visit scoremaster.com slash fill. That's scoremaster.com slash fill and get started today. We we do have though, we do have the example of Jesus' body. And Romans 6 says that we're going to be raised as Jesus was raised. And so we can look at the body of Jesus. And we may not understand it exhaustively. Of course, we can't. And we know that that it was tangible in the sense that you could touch it. Because remember, he said, touch the holes in my hands. Well, touch he the, he we hugged know that Mary. The, he hugged Mary. Yeah. He ate fish. So, But he also walked through walls. And so it's kind of, you know, we're trying to, well, that's, that's I, I think the key that's... is not to say, it's going to be an incredible body, whatever it is. It's not going to be like the one we have now. It's going to be a glorified body. It's going to be a supernatural body. The one that was sown natural will be raised supernatural. But it is going to be something you can put your hands on. I think that's important because if you look, you go back to the very first chapter of the Bible when God had Adam and Eve in the garden, He gave them a mandate to go build cities and cultures and art and go build things. And so people think, what am I going to be doing in heaven? You're going to be building things for the glory of God. I mean, I look at what Phil's doing on his land. I got to go duck hunt with a guy up in Nebraska I told you all about that's doing something similar. And he's literally bought all this land and he's cultivating it and all these mallards. Are, I mean, it's it's incredible what he's building. And I think about, like, why do you do that? Like, what is it? And Phil, Phil doesn't have to work. He doesn't need to go out there and do this. He enjoys it because God has created us to enjoy our work. Now, the curse of, of the curse on us because of sin was that we're not going to enjoy it sometimes and we're going to work by the sweat of our brow. But when God redeems us, and Bill Smith talked about this all the time, is that when, when the new heaven and the new earth comes, like we're going to be doing stuff. And our bodies are going to be working. We're going to be building. We're going to be enjoying it. So I think it's really key to understand when you get to heaven, it's not going to be just floating around in an ethos. You're going to have a body. You're going to probably have a house or two or whatever you're going to. I don't know well, what whatever it's going to be, but relate, we will be doing stuff. There won't be a clock on the wall. There's no clocks in heaven. No need. I'm pushing Thank I'm pushing it down here. <laughs> <laughs> You've never owned a wristwatch. No. But I do think 
sometimes we miss the point that Jesus gave us two secrets in, in this discussion to what you have available to you as a person who's put their faith and trust in him. When he said, you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. I mean, you just think about those two weapons that, because we're talking about resurrection, living forever, new body. We're exploring what that means, which it's hard to get your head wrapped around it. But he also said, because here are these people who don't even believe in the resurrection, have no hope. And I'm sure their lifestyle went along with their belief system. But trust me, if I didn't have a hope of living again, and I wasn't 100% sure that God saved me through his grace and has a purpose for me, my life would probably suck. Yep. I mean, I, why do anything right? Why, why, why am I here? I mean, that would be the most depressing. You're given a picture of current America, Jace. So I just think when he said that, when he said you're an Eric, because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God, don't underestimate what these scriptures say in, in leading you to Jesus, but also just giving you clarity as a human being for what makes us go around and don't underestimate the power of God that can not only transform you here on this earth, you know, spiritually, but also physically at the resurrection in some capacity. Yeah. Immortality. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. Well, if you're alive and it's about living forevermore, I, I would think you would be equipped with uh, the right type of <laughs> body to, to, to pull that off. You see what I'm saying? That's why I love that he ate those fish, because I think, man, I mean, because to me, I would, I would be like, you know, if I couldn't duck hunt or couldn't fish, because I love doing those two things. Me too. And there's, they're good. They were God's idea, but I'm like, he ate those fish. And I'm, I mean, I'm like, you fishing is the only thing. I mean, when you just think about temporary joys, but things that give you a lot of satisfaction, that that's one of them. Yeah. And the fact that he ate them, I thought, okay, it's not out. It, it, he did say uh, that when they said he's a ghost, he said a ghost does not have flesh and bone, as you see I have. So, That's what he said, so, Luke 24. Luke 24. So if you think about it, you say he was saying, oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a body that you can touch, and it has flesh, and it has bone. He, he didn't mention blood, you know, flesh and blood, flesh and blood. He left the blood part out. He said, but the body I now have is flesh and bone. To me, that seems like a... Uh, uh, but it was flesh and bone with some serious bells and whistles. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> yeah, some serious bells and whistles. But I, I don't know. That, that comforts me, though. That, that uh, I don't know. When I think about the things that we enjoy to do, that we all enjoy doing, I mean, the fish things for real, I mean, especially if you eat the kind of fish that you guys cook down there on the Ouachita River, you think about, man, we will be doing that in heaven. I, I always tell my kids, you know, it's not that doing fun things are bad. You just have to put them in their proper place. And, and, and all these things that God gave us, hunt, uh, you know, hunt and fish, whatever your thing is, it's, it's pointing to something greater. It's pointing to Him. I actually think in heaven, all of the things we enjoy, we're going to enjoy more because we're going to be able to, to enjoy them in their in their real context without the enemy trying to come and steal it from us. Um, I think we're going to see God's glory even more through our, through the things we enjoy and the things that we build. So that's yeah, exciting. Yeah, I agree. Well, I want to read this in First John three. We made reference to it, but he brought up the the fact of becoming like little children, and from the mouths of of children, praise is offered to him and. He's given them a picture of why his words do hold authority on his way to dying, being buried and raised as the son of God. But with, Where you at? I, I'm going to go to first John three, just because I feel like, you know, you take a time out from this controversy that he was having with lawyers, tax collectors, Pharisees and Sadducees. 
because they're just trying to trap him. I mean, it was really all about him defending himself, and he won every time. And it was a landslide; wasn't even close. You know, because that next verse in uh, in Matthew, when he transitions to the Pharisees, it says, "Hearing that, that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees." Yeah, I mean, they 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 had nothing to say. Crickets. Which was which was impressive because they they were like, well, you shut down the the Sadducees, so then they wanted to get a, a shot at him. But let's take let's take a let's take a quick break, Jace. All right, Unashamed Nation, this is a special product just for you. Um, Phil Robertson has joined Substack. He has a newsletter that's going to be on Substack. It's free for you. All you have to do is enter your email to sign up, and you get Phil's post in your inbox every single week. Plus, you're going to get some advanced chapters of his new and upcoming book, Uncanceled, that nobody, we're not going to put it anywhere else except on Substack. It's free to you. All you got to do is go to philrobertson.substack.com and sign up. That's Phil robertson.substack.com So in 1 John 3, I, I just think you take a time out and say, what does this mean to me? You know, 1 John says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us? Because that's going to lead him into this conversation, another chat with Pharisees about what's the greatest command? And he's like, love, love God, love others. So 1 John 3 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And that's where you get this picture of a forever family. Because what you got to remember is when he said that God is the God of the living in that place in John where it says to God all are alive. Well, Peter echoed that in the first sermon as the church is introduced. The kingdom of God on earth as the church when he said, you remember that Acts 2 in his sermon, it said it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him? Yep. It was impossible for Jesus to stay dead. You say, well, what does that mean to me? Well, watch what he goes on to say. He says, the reason that the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. And we're seeing examples of that. He was claimed to be the Son of God, and they were like, they didn't recognize him. Well, I'm having the same problem today. You walk into any place and say, hey, I'm a member of the kingdom of God, God's forever family. I'm a son of God. I will guarantee you there will be more responses of, yeah, okay. Yep. Some, other nut, than, oh, some nut is out there hollering. Yep. So then he says, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what will we will be has not yet made been made known. So that's why we can speculate on what it's going to be like. We don't know. Not really. Because our mind, it, it's too big for our mind to grasp. We are what we know yeah. and what we experience. We just got some clues that, oh, my goodness, look yeah. at the bells and whistles here. So then what he says is this. I think this is a key phrase. But we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. So whatever our bodies are going to be like, they're going to be like him. That's why we went through what his was like. Great hope. For we shall see him as he is. But I know one thing that he was like that I'm going to be is that it was impossible for him to be dead. Yep. yep. I like that bell. Everyone who sins, no, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So that gives us motivation. Us being a member of God's forever family and having the hope to be like Jesus in an imperishable way makes us look at these little things on earth when it comes to purity and the decisions we make and think, huh, why am I, you know, on the internet searching for, you know, nudity from a body it's a little more difficult to do that if you're sitting there dwelling on the idea of your body being imperishable. It's <laughs> way beyond nudity. You're like, well, are we going to wear clothes up there? You're thinking too small. Yeah. Thinking it's too just small. like they were like, okay, well, I was married four times. I mean, I'm disqualified. I'm like, what did they think he was going to say? Yep. I don't have an answer for that one. 
You're married seven you times. You're just screwed. You, you can't get in. You got me on that one. You got me. Who are you going to be married to? But on the other side of the thing, people get up and say, "Oh, well, you can't know your wife in heaven." That was not his point. I, I'm. He can do whatever he wants to about that. If I did something godly, because I'm proud that I waited till I got married in a physical way before I experienced sex, and I, I did it God's way. And I believe Matthew 19. I believe He made us one. And so now all of a sudden, because of this analogy that he's telling Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection, that God's not going to acknowledge what this special bond that I have with my wife. So I'm like, we were we're we're best friends. Now, is it a physical, sexual thing in heaven that no, it's way beyond that. Because if we live to be 80, guess what? We're not gonna care about that anyway. Or so I've heard. Yeah. But it becomes less important. That's correct. Jay said that today. We were we were laughing about when you said the uh, you were talking about Al being at the beach. You're like, there's half naked women around there. And I told Jay, I said, I told him, look, Phil, you need to get out more because they're they're just naked now. It's not half naked. <laughs> yeah, right. you, you know. There you go. And and but Jay said, well, we're all at an age where that means way less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's right when you put it in the context. I didn't put it in that context. First John did. He's like, when you think about being like Jesus and seeing him revealed from heaven, he then, the next verse said, everyone who has this hope purifies himself. All of a sudden, he got into your decision-making process about purity. I mean, I think that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. You think When you think about the imperishable body, you think less about the body you're seeing on earth, yeah. whatever body it is. Yeah, I'm with you. So then the next verse is, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. I love this because he starts off talking about the resurrection. Then it gets, when you think about the resurrection, you think about purity. Then he's like, when you think about purity, you think about you making mistakes, but then you think about why he appeared in the first place to take yeah. away your mistakes. Yeah. Yep. So there's your good sermon. You hit about you hit about 75. Once you get there, someone says, you know, oh, you, these little young chicks and all that. No. <laughs> No, you say that is behind you, way behind you. You're like, no, I'm looking at the resurrection of the dead. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess guess that's a a great place to end. I just quick reminder, two quick things. Don't forget about uh, Phil's Substack at philrobertson.substack.com. That's where we get the the uh, the uh, free release of a couple chapters of his new upcoming book and his newsletter. And also... It's Christmas time, so make sure you check out the, the merchandise store at philmerch.com. And if you use the code UNASHAMED20, you get 20% off this week. Uh, that's uh, UNASHAMED t-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, mugs. They're all 20% off with the code UNASHAMED20. That's UNASHAMED20. Make sure you all check that out. And uh, as I would say, we'll try to do better next time, guys. Thanks for listening to the UNASHAMED podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.